welcome all of you to an exciting moment, a journey that we're on together. We've spent several weeks preparing for the journey. If you're new, we call it a journey because we find that when we take spiritual steps together, it increases our ability to engage with the things God wants us to engage with, and we grow. That's the bottom line. We grow more into who God has designed us to be. So we learned this years ago that when we do these things together, when we engage in studying the book of Ephesians together, uh, it's a powerful thing. I wanna welcome all of those that are at our 1230 service. I wanna welcome all of those in both of our video venues here at the Keller campus. Our McKinney campus is streaming live with us as well. I wanna welcome all of our church family who are still online. We love you, we're thinking about you. And all the new folks that have joined us, would you guys put your hands together and celebrate our church family that are watching us. We love all of you and we're glad you're joining us again for this journey. We've called it United because we're doing it together. I'll talk a little bit more about why it's titled that in a moment. And I wanna say, if you don't have a guide, we still have guides available for you. I think you'll find that this guide is not just some kind of little cheap thing that we threw together. It's a well thought out and intentional way for you to learn more about the Bible. I find a lot of people wanna engage with the Bible, but they struggle a little bit with how to do it, so we put this guide together. If you're watching online, then you can download that. There's a link there, we'll mail one to you if you like the physical copy. We want everybody to get one, we want you to engage, we want you to get in a group. Uh, we talk about get a guide, get in a group. Uh, even if it's just you and your family there, it's, it's amazing. I, I heard about a lady named Karen who just put it on her Facebook, her neighborhood Facebook, and 13 ladies, she was surprised. She thought, I'm just gonna throw it out there, and like 13 ladies in her neighborhood are joining her for the United series, and so uh, I would just encourage you to step out there. We'll help you if you wanna get in a group as well. Well, before we get to United, again, I want you to take your Bibles out if you have one. I'm gonna put the scriptures on the screen. Ephesians chapter one, we're just gonna take a chapter each week and we're gonna look at some of the significant things in the chapter. Obviously, I can't hit every single thing in the chapter, but there's some themes that we're gonna hit along the way. Well, we entitled the series United and some may think that's just like a cool brand, like we got a consulting firm to tell us what to call it. Actually, it comes out of the book of Ephesians. It's a theme in the book of Ephesians. And the thing is that as you start reading it, there's a lot of practical areas. We're gonna hit practical areas every week and things that pertain to our lives and God's desire for us, but unity is an overarching theme. There's a lot of we, us type language. Now, when you hear that word, you might think, well, I don't know if that really matters because we live in such an individualistic culture where like I would rather hear a series of messages that pertain specifically to me. I'm more into the me than I am the we. But the fact is, unity is one of those things that you begin to recognize it when it's absent. My wife and I here in a few months will be married 25 years. So after you've been married that long, you, tell when, you can tell when something's off. I, I can kind of tell, you know, we have maybe a little tiff, sometimes a tiff that I didn't know that I created, but I then find out that it happened. Anybody been married longer than two weeks? And now it's usually her fault. Actually, it's generally mine. But 
if I leave from my house and I'm in unity with my wife, I feel like I can conquer the world. But if there's something off, it's just like, oh man, I operate at a smaller capacity throughout the day. And the same thing is when you have a little issue with your kids or you have an issue with a coworker or you and your mom or you and your friends or in some way you have that disunity, it just affects us. So we are so much more capable of fulfilling God's plan for our life when unity is present in our hearts and in our lives. But the enemy comes always to sow division into our lives, to create animosity and struggles and things. And so I know we want unity. We want it. We want it in our lives. We want it in our community. We want it in our world. We want it in our family. We want it in our home. We want it in our church. By the way, you should pray for our church because football started back Thursday night. I'm excited. I'm just going to veg on football today after all these services. Man, I'm just going to watch all the games and doubleheader Monday night. And we, um, we play fantasy football, our staff pastors, and um, there's division in our church. I need to share with y'all. There's major division. There's, there's serious issues. Our, our commissioner is in our pastoral care department. I won't name his name, Mike Banus, but anyway, he, he, um, he, we had our draft this week, and he's picked first like three of the last three years, and he's the commissioner, and he keeps trying to tell us that it's a random selection. How do y'all feel about that? I'm feeling... I'm feeling massive issues, right? I'm, I'm feeling, ma- it's, it's, it's divisive. He's cheating, basically, and he's, he's gonna have to go to Freedom Weekend or something and repent, okay? But in all seriousness, it's something that we won't, but I want, but we can't necessarily always obtain it. It's like it's right there, but how do we obtain that unity? Well, over this series of messages, I'm hoping that it becomes more real to us, more tangible. Ephesians 1, we're going to start in verse 13, and I want to break down a rich, rich set of passages from the Apostle Paul. You may not know that this is an actual letter. It's written to a group, modern-day Turkey, this city of Ephesus, a couple hundred thousand people, a port city. There's a lot of struggle there. There's a lot of darkness there. They're worshiping idols. There's this great wonder of the world, this temple of Artemis. And so it's kind of a center of idolatry. There's darkness and witchcraft and all kinds of false worship of false gods. Paul, he goes there. You can read it in Acts, but Paul goes there and he literally has to escape for his life because it stirs up such of a big controversy when he comes, but there was a group of people that then one day would become one of the most influential churches here in this time period. There's a group of people who accept this message of Jesus, and he's in prison now, and he's writing back to them, and he's very concerned for them, and you can hear his heart, and he says this, which again, I believe these words speak to us today. He says, and you were also included in Christ. If you're going to get anything out of this series, you need to know that you need to make sure that you're not on the outside looking in, but you're on the inside receiving the promises that are available for those that are included in the promises. You don't want to be not included. When you read the Bible, like you want them to be promises that you possess because you're part of the family of God. He says, though, you guys are included. Now, we need to break that down because then he tells us, how do you get included? Is it because you're more religious than your neighbor or you're better than someone else or you're more pious or 
You have a better religious upbringing? Like, how do you get included? Who's on the in? Who's on the out? He says this, you were included when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. So there's a hearing. By the way, there's a difference in listening and hearing. No, okay, whoa, 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 I got it now. Wait a minute, I now hear what you're trying to say. He says, you guys didn't just listen to me, espouse a bunch of religious rhetoric. You heard what God is trying to say to us. He says this, look at it. You heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. And then it says, when you believed. So you have to hear and then you have to believe. That's the equation for being included. When you believed, you were then marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I think it's very important because as I talk with people, I find that it's more, there's an increasing number of people who don't know the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You would think, man, it's kind of like, you know, baseball, apple pies, and, and, and it's just like it's the gospel in our world today, but more and more people, they don't, they don't know the true message of Jesus. I saw a statistic recently that like 25% of people that attend church think Jesus was just a great teacher. Well, that, that, that means you don't know his message. Yes, he taught, but he's more than a great teacher. He had a specific message, Paul, who was antithetical to everything Jesus represents, he met the real Jesus on a road, and now he's carrying a very distinct experience with a living Jesus to a group of people in Ephesus, and that same message is going forward today. You're like, what is that message? Let's make sure we're on the same page, because you have to hear it before you can believe it. I don't know what you've heard about Jesus, but you need to know the real message. Now, I could share it with you a lot of different ways, but I love to use pictures and cultural things. I use this at our Discovery 101. I share it sometimes. It's one of the ways that I, I kind of, I saw the message of the gospel, you know, in real life one time. And it happened when I showed up at an airport. How many of you have ever been to one of these right here? You've seen this. Raise your hand if you're watching online in the overflow at home. How many of you, okay, most of us have been through this. It's interesting that we're celebrating uh, the, the heroes who gave their lives and served people at 9-11, and we're remembering that this week. I kind of had one of those old age moments when I heard, it's like 19 years ago. Is anybody else, was, it was like, wow, 19 years. But 19 years ago, how we travel changed. You don't just roll up there and kind of go through. Like, you have to get in line there. You got this thing waiting for you. You can't take any bad things on the other side, right? Anything that would harm you or others. So you show up, you got to take shoes off, got a hole in your sock. You're there. We were, we were traveling at Christmas. I do all these services. I, for, I forget who I am. I have like 18 serves, all this, and I always leave on Christmas Day, and I take my kids. We, our family loves to ski, and so, you know, I'm like, it's early in the morning, it's Christmas Day. We show up and roll up. Here's this thing waiting for us. We're all getting our stuff, and my daughter, my sophomore daughter, she actually, I go, look, guys, all right, get ready, you know, and she pulls out a steak knife out of her jacket. I'm like, you know, is that, is that how you roll now? You, you just roll with a steak knife. That's cool. You just, just traveling around with a steak knife now? I mean, are you, 
using it for self-defense? Are you hoping there's like a T-bone on the flight? You're just ready? You know, you're just always ready for your next steak? Is that what you do? Just kind of, you know, I mean, it's like get rid of the steak knife, okay? So you can't have steak knives. You can't have guns, weapons, half-drunk water. We don't know what that does, but we can't have it, okay? And, and you can't have anything that would harm you or others to the other side. And I started thinking about that. I thought, in our relationship with Jesus, we have this perfect and holy God. We all know he's holier than us, better than us. We, we know that at some level we get confused by it, but it's why so many people, like if they're not even a person who would consider themselves a person of faith, come to a funeral or come to church, they feel a little uneasy, they, they feel a little guilty. I tell people the reason you feel guilty is because you are, because the Bible says we've all sinned. What does sin mean? It means we missed the mark. You don't have to try. You don't have to try to blow your life up. You don't have to try to get off course. It's at work in you from the day you're born. We come by it really, really naturally. In fact, it's like, you don't have to convince anyone. There's, there's things, it's like, if they knew some of the things I've done, they wouldn't even think I'm a good person. Yet what's interesting is when I talk to most people and I say, how do you enter a relationship with this perfect God? How, how do you connect with him both here on earth and then one day we're gonna stand before God? We're gonna stand in his presence and there won't be any St. Peter jokes and you can't say my uncle was a pastor, you can't say my wife drugged me to church four or five times a year. When you stand before that perfect holy God, you have to have a perfection that's working inside of you that clears up all of those violations to enter that perfect place. You have to be able to enter into this place. Aren't you glad that in heaven there's none of our junk? There's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no fights with your spouse, there's no kids who go off course, there's nothing at any level negative or evil or harmful. Why? Because there's no sin, there's a perfect God. See, we don't wanna worship a God who has the same problems as us, but we don't know how to bridge that gap. We don't know what we would say on that day when we stand before him, which we all will. Why should I allow you into my kingdom? When I talk with most people, again, they're like, oh, I'm a good person, again, Good by the definition of you define yourself as good, which usually means you compare yourself to somebody else who you deem to be not as good as you, which is why you need a heathen friend. You should find a good one. I'm talking about those people that are, you know, there are people that are just good at sinning. There's others that are good at covering it up, but you gotta find that good heathen friend because you're like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm good compared to him. I mean, he's like, whoa. But he's not gonna be there or she's not gonna be there. It's you and God and you can't have any of that. And I was watching that scan and I thought, we can't pass that scan. If God scans us in our own selves, we all fail the scan. We can't make entrance into his kingdom here on earth, this abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. We can't conquer the stuff that's destroying us because it's eating us up. We can't do it. And one day when we stand before him, we can't pass the test to make entrance into this perfect place. Maybe you've heard a different message. Maybe you don't know the message of Jesus. He's not looking for more fans. He's not looking to be recognized as a great teacher. He's not looking to make history books, though he is a huge historical figure. He's looking for people who will bow their knee to his lordship and know that they are deficient in their ability to get into that place in relationship with Jesus. 
And he's looking to do it by what he did, not what you can do. So when you see the cross from now on, maybe you might think about a scan where he hung on that cross and the Bible says that God knew we couldn't work it out on our own. We couldn't fix it on our own, so he sent Jesus to be one of us to live the life that we could never live so we could experience something we could never experience, a relationship with a perfect and holy God who created us and loved us and still loves us. Jesus comes and dies on that cross and says, it is finished, scan me, scan me. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that now we can become within us based on his life when we receive him, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not our righteousness. It's not our religion. It's his perfect sacrifice, his death, his burial and resurrection. And I know I get a lot of people now responding that are online that have tuned in over the last few months and you're like, I've never heard that. I thought we were supposed to keep all the rules. I thought we were supposed to do the stuff. No, Jesus comes to change you and then you'll want to live the lifestyle that he has planned for you, but you can't live it until you first get included in Christ and receive him. That's the first step. Some of you are like, wow, I heard it. Well, I'm gonna give you an opportunity at the end of this service to believe it, to confess it. And Paul says, that's what took place with this group of people, and his next phrase there in verse 15 is, for this reason, because that happened to you, every since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, notice when you have faith in the Lord Jesus, it translates into a lifestyle of also loving God's people, loving his church, loving others. Look at this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remember I told you he's in prison. As I was praying for you this week, I kept thinking, man, that Paul there, he's praying, and I'm praying for you, and look at what happens. I wish I could go into that prison cell, and there's Paul, and the, who knows what he's going through? Who knows how much food he has, how much water he has, the suffering that he's facing? And he says, I just keep giving thanks for you, Lord. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for what's happened, and I remember you in my prayers. Paul, would you share with us in that prison what you've been praying for these people, what God wants for us? Paul, could we join that prayer? That's why this is part of scripture. I keep asking, this is what Paul says, I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a great prayer to pray over your kids, by the way. My dad prayed over me all the time. My mom prayed that I would love Jesus. My dad prayed that I would have wisdom. Made me read the book of Proverbs all the way growing up. Why? Wisdom is taking God's truth and way of seeing the world and knowing how to apply it to your life. Wisdom. Revelation is a supernatural understanding of God's truth that doesn't come by just listening to messages or studying information. It's an experiential way of knowing God that you begin to see him for who he truly is. He says, I'm praying for you to get this wisdom. I'm praying that you get this revelation. In our last few moments together, here's what Paul emphasizes, and this is what I want for you for the first week. He prays this. Does he pray that you would never have a problem? I pray, Lord, right now, I keep asking, I keep asking. I'm remembering them in my prayers that they would never have any problems, that they would never go through any trials. No, he doesn't pray that because he knows we will. He doesn't pray that I hope they get it all right 
that they have every religious rhetoric ritual and they complete them to the perfect task and have an outward type of representation of what's going on on the inside of them but not really in their heart. He doesn't pray for the external. He doesn't pray that they would never make a mistake. He doesn't pray that they would have the perfect performance. He doesn't pray any of that, which is what most people chalk up a relationship with God today as. Here's what he prays. I'm praying consistently that they would know Jesus better. Know him better. As I prayed for you this week, I thought, man, that's so powerful because we're all included in that. Like if you just heard the message of the gospel, you're about to know him a whole lot better. Like if you receive Jesus, man, it's like, boom, man, the world looks different, the sun's brighter, I feel lighter, I feel free. You're gonna know him a whole lot better if you pray to receive him and you didn't know the real message, man. I'm gonna tell you, it's the only way to live. The devil will tell you it's not life, it's really life. The devil's strategy for you is to get you consumed by yourself and off the beaten path and doing the wrong thing, thinking that those things can provide life for you only to bring you death. Jesus has life and life abundantly. And when you submit to that, life begins to happen. You begin to know him better in an amazing way. But here's the good news. If you have been serving Jesus and walking with Jesus for 40 years, here's some good news. You can know him better. You can know him better today. I don't know about you, but that inspires me. That makes me hungry. That makes me excited. I wanna know him better. I go to a lot of church. We're singing that song this weekend. I open up my heart to you. You're singing that. I think, man, it's fresh every time I say it. I open up my heart. I wanna know you. I wanna know him better. You're like, okay, I got that. I'm inspired, pastor. I'd like to know him better. And yet here I am with the difficult task of explaining to you how that works. I mean, how do you put mechanical detail to know him better? What does that look like? How do you do it? It's kind of like unity, I keep talking about that. It's like, how do you, well, here's what I think about knowing him better. You don't always know every single step and the exact architectural strategy to do it, but you do know when it's not present. You know whether or not there's a work going on in you right now that you wanna know him better, you're hungry to be with him, you know when it's not present. I thought about it this week, this way this week. There was an ad campaign that came out in 1993, became one of the most efficient and effective ad campaigns uh, at that time and ever, really. Some of you might remember it. It only had two words, a white background and black letters got milk. Who remembers got milk? 10 year period declining consumption of milk and instantly this campaign which was mimicked in multiple other campaigns made milk consumption go up for the first time in a decade. And why did it work? It appeals to something that you want, you probably need at certain points but you don't know you need it until you're in a situation or there's a recognition of how much you need it, like, if those of you that have teenagers or kids, like when you pour a bowl of cereal and they never drink all of the milk, usually out of the container to where there's nothing in there, to where you never pour the cereal, you just know there's milk there, but you pour the cereal and there's only enough to get it wet. 
And that's tragic. That's brutal. You're ready for it. And certain cereals, you could add water, you could eat it like it is, it would be okay. I like frosted mini wheats, the old style, not the little ones, the big ones. If you get just enough milk to get it sort of wet, you'll die eating that stuff. It's like eating hay. <laughs> More milk. Now, this was back when there was only milk. Now we have all kinds of stuff that produces milk. You know, it's like almonds produce milk, oats produce milk lactating cashews. I mean, I didn't know these things actually made milk. You know what I'm saying? I mean, today, my, you know, my wife's organic. We got all that. I'm like, I'll just take some, you know, old vitamin D, red, red cap. No, Jeff, that's bad for you. Anyway, <laughs> I just want something to cover it. And, and I, why am I bringing this up? I'm, I'm saying you want it and your life is going to reveal and moments are going to reveal how much you need it, how much it's so important how we don't put enough emphasis on it. So with my thought this week, how do I make this real? I thought, I wish I could sit down with every one of you and we could talk about where you are in this journey. Have you gotten off course? Was there a time where you were knowing him better and you made some missteps or life hit you? What happened? Have you never really come to a place where there's that relationship and you've just been doing external stuff? Did you not even know it's possible? I would just love to visit with every, and just sit down and go, let's talk about it. And what I think is I might stumble on after 27 years of having God conversations with people, we might stumble on a few of these statements. Let me give them to you very quick before I pray for you. The first one is I didn't understand or even know that he wanted to know me. There's a lot of people in that place. I mean, I know he may want me to know some things about him, but I didn't know he wanted to know me. Because I'm like this speck in this huge universe that's just sort of tumbling around, and I didn't know he wanted to know me. It's a fascinating thing about just the human psyche when it comes to God. A lot of people don't understand that about him. So a lot of people have a lot of false perspectives about him. In fact, when it comes to God, again, we tend to make God in our own minds instead of really knowing the true and living God. And that's why Jesus came to earth, by the way, to show us what God's like. This relational Jesus who helped the poor, who worked with people, who kind of diffused tense situations, who lived with his friends, who who, who this Jesus who shows us this God who's amazing, who's powerful, but is so totally different than us. By the way, a lot of times we, we, we have maybe some hangups, some hurts, some family situations that we superimpose on God. I ran into a guy this week at the gym. I, I say I ran into him. I just kind of like patrol around and I passed this, this person who I know and this other younger guy who I don't know, and he had just said to this other person when I walked by, he just said, well, I, I'm not very religious. And so I just sort of interjected, said, well, why do you think that's a goal? He's like, who are you? I said, I'm a, I'm a cardinal in the church, I'm a bishop. <laughs> and I just began to investigate, why do you think that so he's obviously trying to investigate his understanding of God, and he just said, well, I don't really go to church. I said, okay, well, that's not what we're talking about. I said, why do you think that about God? Why, why do you think God wants you to be religious? Why do you think that's his starting place? 
And he just began to just kind of share with me, I don't know if I even believe in him. So I just said, well, just one thought I'd like to have with you, and that is, do you think it's okay for you and I to leave this gym right now, find someone out there, punch them in the face, beat them up, maybe hurt a kid or something? He goes, oh, no, that would be wrong. I said, well, you don't know it, you just made a moral choice. So somewhere there has to be a morality that's above us for us to define what's right and wrong. He's like, who are you? I'm a bishop. <laughs> so he and I sort of started this conversation that he had to get to a place where he goes, maybe, maybe I do believe there is something greater than me, but I don't know him. I don't know what he's like, and I don't think he really wants to know me. I said, I'm going to come back. I got a few more. He's like, okay. And we, I walked off, but I'm hoping that stirs something that gets him thinking about this God who actually does want to know him and that a lot of the things that he understands that are true actually came because I believe no matter where I've gone around the world, there's a yearning on the inside of every human being to make sense of their world because they have a desire for the transcendent, the desire for something greater. The question's not, do they believe a God exists? The question is, what is that God like? What is he like? What does he, he prioritize? What does he believe? And more importantly, how does he relate to me? Because there has to be something bigger. And what we do is many times is we make up a God that helps us kind of make sense of it, but it may not be God. My kids study Greek mythology in school, and we talk about these Greek gods. It's amazing how these Greek gods are just a little bit more powerful than us. You know, Zeus has got the thunder, the lightning, you got the other gods, they have these powers, but yet they still have a lot of these petty human-like characteristics of selfishness and narcissism. So they're like fleshly in some ways, but more powerful than us. It's an amazing moment when the human psyche begins to come to a place where God touches the soul and we realize this God who created us, this God who loves us is other. He's holy, he's awesome, he's better than we can even imagine, he's so good, he's what'll fill the ache in our soul. When we come to that realization, but here's the game changer. He wants to know me. He wants to know me, which is the whole purpose of being included in Christ. He wants to know me, and then in turn, I can know him better in a relational way. There's nothing worse than feeling unrecognized. We don't like to admit it. We don't tell anybody this. But we've all been in that setting at a party where there's someone there, an influential person, a friend or something, or we've been in a work setting where we're sitting at a conference table and accolades are being passed out. Inside of us, we keep the faith but inside of us is, recognize me. Recognize what I did. Recognize my thought. Recognize my idea. Just see that I'm here. So many people feel that way with God. I'm just living my own existence. And what happens when you think that is you actually become your own God. Because you think you have to solve all your own problems. Let me encourage you. He wants to know you. If you're watching at 1230, you're watching online, he wants to know you. Yes, he sees you. He recognizes you. Here's the second thing. I didn't realize knowing him would change how I handle pain. I didn't know that. I know for even myself, processing pain is one of those places that can jar your relationship with God. We're going to see that here in Ephesians 
Paul is in pain, they're in a caustic situation, and he's helping them know him better so they process it differently. Pain has a way of knocking you off course. I've seen it for years, pastoral ministry. You see someone, they get touched by God, they're moving, they're growing, they're excited, and then a health crisis, a marriage crisis, a job crisis. And because we don't know him better, we take on the God responsibility to solve our own problems in our lives. And then I'm like, where are the Smiths? Where are the Joneses? Where did they go? And they're like, they're going through something. So like we need less of God? I want you to hear me, every person listening. Pain comes to all of us. And how you come out on the other side of pain has a lot to do with whether you press into God or move away from God and insulate yourself to handle it by yourself. I lost my dad in October. I recently just reached out, just reached out to someone that I love who's a coach, a counselor, and just said, I just kinda need to process my grief a little bit. Can you tell me, how am I doing? He asked me some questions, I worked through it. See, we don't analyze ourselves very well. I know my propensity to get into myself, fix it myself. Any other performance-oriented people, maybe that's a different service. Y'all with me? I got it. No, you don't have it. We all see you don't have it. But when you surrender it to him and say, look, help me, help my heart, you don't get more bitter, you get better. You get better, you get closer to him, you get softer, you grow. Here's the third and final thing. A lot of people have said this to me, I didn't understand or realize that knowing him would require me to be dependent on following him. This isn't popular today. We don't talk about it a lot. Used to talk about it more in church. You do realize he accepts you where you are. He's not into perfection, but he is into progress, but you just need to know this up front. When you receive him, he's going to ask of you to follow him. And that's not always easy. That's how he started with his disciples. Follow me. Drop your nets, drop your fishing business. Come on, follow me. And boy, I'm gonna tell you, it's scary every time. I've walked with Jesus since I was 12 years old. He's asked more, he's asked me for yes more recently. Do can we be transparent in church? Do you really know what you're doing? You're like, that's sacrilegious. I've said it. I, I, I don't know about that, Jesus. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay. Yes, I'll go. Oh, that's scary. It always is. Come with me. Did you know when you start saying, Jesus, where are you working? And if you're asking of me of a yes, I'll join you. The more you join him, the closer you'll get to him every single time. See, it's on the backside of losing some comfort. It's on the backside of that fear that you're like, wow, this is scary, but boy, I know him, I know him, I know him. I've had a lot of him, a lot of him asking for some yeses, but I'll tell you this, in the last few months, I feel like I know, I know him better. Has it been easy? No, but I know him better by just saying yes. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just say yes. Just say yes to whatever. Go back to the place where you didn't say yes. Is it in your money? Is it in your marriage? Is it with your business? Is it your one person here and another person there? Is it, where did he ask you? And you became your own God. When you go back to that place and get it right, whew, I know him better. I know him better. 
Reminds me as a kid growing up in my little church. They'd sing that invitation song. How many of y'all remember the invitation? The pastor would stand down there with the holy bob. Yes, yes, come body. Would anybody come? And nobody came. And he stood by himself. And we sang 17 verses of just as I am. <laughs> a little line in a song that said, if none go with me, I still will follow. I remember as a kid, I didn't always do it right, but I remember as a kid singing that song thinking, if none go with me, I'll still follow you, Jesus. And every time you say, if none goes with me, I still will follow, he'll be there to meet you every step of the way. I'm gonna ask you to do something for me in our video venues. I'm gonna ask you to stand here in the room. I'm gonna ask you to stand. Maybe you wanna stand at home. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. And as you're standing, I'm gonna ask no one to move around for just a minute because I believe this is a holy moment where these words that I'm sharing with you from scripture, you could leave here today and be like, well, Pastor Jeff told some stories. That was a good word. There was some, or you can leave changed. It's all dependent upon your willingness to do what he's asking you to do, to let him speak it to you. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me and there's some of you here, you heard the message of the gospel for the first time and you just need to say, Jesus, I receive you today. Become my Lord, become my savior. You died for me. Just make it your words. It's not about the religious statements, it's about your heart. You died for me, you paid a price I couldn't pay. You're alive today, Jesus, and I receive you. I wanna be included, Jesus in your plan for my life. I wanna be included in a relationship with you. I wanna hear, I wanna believe. I accept you today, become my Jesus. I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end if you're in a setting where you can, at either campus or there in the video venues. If you're online, let someone know in the chat. I prayed that prayer with Pastor Jeff. Maybe come to our Discovery 101. I, I wanna help you start taking those steps. But for all of us, I just wanna pray the prayer of Paul over us today. The prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit that Paul wrote down that's now part of these scriptures that are alive. And I want you to receive it for yourself, not for your neighbor, not for your spouse, not for your kids, receive it for yourself. I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better.